We're going to try an experiment here. Um, there have been a lot of a lot of surveys, a lot of polls done on Christian music as to the popularity of this song or that song. And so I want to do a quick poll this morning. And what I want you to, to communicate to me is your favorite Christian hymn or song. And this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to just say it. Okay? I mean, pretty simple, right? Okay, I'm going to count to three, and then you tell out loud your favorite Christian hymn or a Christian song. And so here we go. Everybody ready? One, two, three. Okay, I got that. Um, somebody taking notes? If, if we had done it a little more systematically, a little more logically, we would have probably discovered, uh, just as most surveys do, that the number one Christian song, Christian hymn uh, across the United States is Amazing Grace. So how many of you said Amazing Grace? Okay, so that would have probably been pretty close to the majority because everything gets really spread out because everybody has different songs all over the place. But Amazing Grace has been one of those songs that has stood the test of time and has spoken to so many hearts over so many years. The, the hymn itself was written by a guy named John Newton in 1773. So it's been around a while. Some of you know kind of the story behind the hymn. Some of you saw the movie, and so you've got maybe a little better feel of what uh, John Newton's life was like, uh, the kind of man that he was that wrote this hymn. But the song itself is a testimony to God's amazing grace when you know a little bit about the guy named John Newton. And I want to share a little bit about him this morning. John, John Newton's mother had the fondest hope for him that he would grow up and enter the ministry. But when John was six years old, his mother died, and that removed the godly influence from his life. And once removed... Uh, John Newton became a rebellious, stubborn, and profane man. He was not anyone that you'd probably want to hang around with. I mean, he was vile. He was not a pleasant person at all. He had intentions to marry this woman. Her parents said, that ain't happening. And he was rebellious. In fact, at one point... He even deserted from the Royal Navy. And so he was not not the kind of dependable, trustworthy guy that you'd want to hang around with, you'd want your kids to hang around with. He just wasn't that kind of guy. Because of his desertion, because of his track record with the Royal Navy, he was actually traded to a slave ship where he began to work. And actually for many years after that, uh, he, he was involved in the slave trade to one degree or another. But while on board this ship, he had a, he just kind of had a knack for mocking the captain. But he did it in a, a clever way. He created little songs, little ditties that he would sing. And they were so catchy that the other sailors would pick up on it. This did not make the captain very happy. You would imagine that hearing these little songs, these songs that mocked him and berated him, would not have make it, made him happy at all. And so John Newton ended up in a kind of a bad way. He was arrested. He was put in chains. In fact, he was chained just like the rest of the slaves on board that slave ship. 
He was nearly starved to death. And he ended up being sold into slavery himself where he worked on a plantation in Sierra Leone. His father, who was still fairly influential, secured his release from there and got him placed on board another ship, another slave ship called the Greyhound. Now, you would have thought that after going through everything that he went through, it might have changed his heart, changed his attitude, changed his life, but it didn't. You know people like that? You know people, I mean, they, they, they live a life, they make choices, they make bad decisions, and they just, they're living in rebellion, and it just hits them. I mean, it just slams them up against the wall, and their lives are an utter wreck. And you would think they end up in jail, they end up in an addiction ministry, they end up, you know, uh, homeless, whatever their situation, broken families. You would think that after coming face to face with that much tragedy that you created, that you would say, man, I could turn my life around. I got to make a change. But that was not the case with John Newton. In fact, he probably doubled down. You see, John Newton, not only, he not only had rejected his mother's faith, but he was causing other people to do it too. He was calling people to wave the Christian faith, how, how fake it was, how unreal it was, and, and that you should live for the moment, live for the now. That was the kind of guy that he was. His sailors have a, uh, you've heard the expression, cuss like a sailor. Okay. This, this is how bad John Newton was. His captain repeatedly had to reprimand him for his coarse language, over the top profanity that he used. So you can tell he was not just the kind of guy you'd, you'd want to invite over to, to uh, Thanksgiving dinner or anything. Now, with all this in mind, keep thinking, this is the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. This is the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. This is his life. This is his story. This is how he lived. Well, on one occasion when they were out on the Greyhound, they ran into a terrible storm. It threatened to tear the ship apart. And it was at that point, John Newton began to think, would it be possible, is there any way possible that a man like me might be redeemed? That a man like me might find the grace of God? And people have argued over the point, the exact point at which John Newton gave his heart, his life to Christ. But we can say for certain that that event began his spiritual journey, a spiritual journey that changed him, not overnight, but changed him. In fact, he left the slave trade behind. He got married. He settled down. He had a family. And he fulfilled his mother's fondest hope for him. He went into the ministry. In fact, even though his, um, his thoughts about slavery didn't change quickly, I mean, it, it didn't happen immediately. I, he went from acceptance to, to tolerance to then utter rejection. But it was John Newton. It was John Newton who, along with William Wilberforce and others in the British government, who got slavery outlawed in Great Britain. He made a huge impact. We think of this song in the hymn book, this song projected up on a screen, 
But this man had an impact because God had had an impact on him. This man wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, and he didn't write it from the perspective of an academic. He didn't write it from the perspective of a a Bible scholar in an ivory tower somewhere, sitting on a cushioned chair in air conditioning, writing these beautiful words to a song. No, he wrote it out of the depth of his experience. You see, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that churches across the United States have so many shallow believers is because we have never, ever truly grieved over our sin so we can never, ever know the depths of the grace of God. Think about it. If you don't know, here's the deal. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We, do we ever think of ourselves in those terms? Saved a wretch like me. You go, well, you know, I've done some bad things. I've made some mistakes. I've said things I shouldn't have said and done things I shouldn't have done. Sure, I've got those. But I was never in the slave trade. I was never reprimanded for over-the-top profanity by a sea captain. No, you may never have done those things. That may not describe your life. But i got to tell you, the Bible says that when we are in our sin, we are enemies of God. We are dead, 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 dead in our sins and our trespasses. We're blind spiritually. We can't see. We can't perceive. We can't understand and know it may be true that you were never as bad as John Newton. But the truth is that none of us on our best day is any closer to heaven apart from Jesus than John Newton was on his worst day. Let me say this again because you need to hear this. On our best day, apart from Christ, we're not any closer to heaven than John Newton was on his worst day. Why? Because we're not comparing ourselves to other people. We're not looking at one another and saying, you know what? I'm a little ahead of him. I'm a little ahead of her. Oh, my goodness, but look over here. They're a little ahead of me. We're not comparing ourselves to other people. We're, we're not even trying to get to heaven on our own good works. It would be like me giving you a box of toothpicks and said, hey, could you mind building a bridge across the Grand Canyon? I mean, that, that's how futile it is to think that you and I could somehow get right with God on our own. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace, for by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved by, through faith. It's not your own doing. You didn't do this. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one can boast. Think about this. Think, 
oh, this is, this is just completely contrary to the way the world works. You come to God just as you are. Blemishes, warts, faults, failures, sins, regrets, guilt. You come just as you are, just like that. And God receives you. You see, a broken and contrite spirit, the Lord won't despise that. When you are utterly convicted of your sin and you understand that you are separated from God because of your sin and that there's nothing that you can do to clean yourself up, to make yourself right with God, when you get to that point of desperation, it's then you need a Savior. Some of you know, because you've told me about it this morning, I'm heading to the beach this afternoon. Okay? That's, my family's already there. I'm heading to meet them there. And if you've ever, you go to the beach, once in a while you see these, life, these, these stands where the lifeguards sit, right? They're sitting up there and they've got their eyes open for any kind of, any kind of trouble out there. If you're out and you're splashing around, you're having a good time, you don't need that lifeguard. When do you call on the lifeguard? When you're about to go under. When you don't think you're going to make it. When in spite of your best efforts, you're going down. And it's then you call upon that man or woman seated up there on that, that wooden platform. And you say, help me. Help me. Help me. I want to tell you that is far closer to what happens when a person comes to faith in Christ. We're confronted with our sin, its weight, its ugliness, its penalty. And we recognize that there's not one thing we can do to get rid of that weight, that burden. And God reveals to us that there's a Savior. Not a lifeguard seated on a stand, but a king seated on a throne. Who is watching and waiting in your life. For you to come to that point of repentance. When you turn to him in desperation. And he's there. And what God wants to do is to take you sin stained as you are. And make you clean. Make you new. To change your old life. Give you a new life. To to change your old heart. To give you a, a new heart. I'm here to tell you this morning. You can begin again. It doesn't mean that all those things that you've done in the past won't have consequences. But what it means is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven, made clean, made pure. And no matter what anyone else says about you, no matter what anyone else sees in you, let me tell you what God sees when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. God sees a saint. God sees a child. God sees someone whom he has called holy. That's who you are. If you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, 
then you're still an enemy of God. You're still lost. You're still blind. You're still dead. It doesn't have to be that way. There is a Savior. And He's here to rescue you. You can sing with a different heart. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Come on with me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That was John Newton's song, and that can be yours. How does that happen? The Spirit has convicted you of your sin this morning and has called upon you to walk away from that and receive His Son, Jesus Christ. And here's what's going to happen in a moment. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stand. We're going to sing another song. And as we sing that song, this is your opportunity to respond to what God's put on your heart. If you need Jesus, this is your time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't say, oh, well, I'll think about that. I'll come back to it next week. Let me tell you what happens. Uh, Jesus told a parable about seeds that were sown. And, 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 and the birds come down and they swoop the seeds up off the soil and take it away. That's exactly what can happen in your life. The good seed of the gospel being sown today. And Satan wants to come in and swoop it up and take it away so it never takes root. Let it take root. Let it begin today for you. If you come, we have men and women who will more, be more than happy to, to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus and to help you to begin today to be a new person in Christ. Some of you may need a church home, a place to come, a place to plug in, a place to belong. And if God's called you here, then we want to we just celebrate that. This is a place where God's grace and God's truth are both elevated and we want you to be part of it. If you simply need to come and pray, and some of you may. Some of you may have said, as you heard this, you know what, I've experienced that. I know God's grace, but I've gone back to a life that, that I know would, would break God's heart. And I just want a new start. I, I, I want God to, to clean me up and, and, and send me out again as, as his child. I want to I know as David said, the joy of my salvation. And I've lost it, but I want it back. And maybe you just want to come and pray. You can pray here at the steps. You can The front rows are empty up here. You can just turn around and use those as an altar and, and pray there. Whatever it is that you need to do business with God about, today's your day. And so I want to ask our praise team to come up and pray to, to lead us in this next song. And, and, and I just want to pray right now that God's going to move in your heart so that you would move from your seat. Heavenly Father, I come and I pray, and I know that in this room there are so many people that are your children, your sons and daughters, and I rejoice in that. God, we're here to celebrate your grace this morning because we know the weight of our sin, and we know the magnitude of your grace that's greater, greater, greater than all our sin. But Lord, I pray for those who are here today who do not have that assurance of salvation. 
who don't know that they're your child or in fact who know that they're not. And I pray, Lord, that today by your spirit, not by my words, but by yours, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, if there are those who need to come and unload a burden of guilt that they don't need to be carrying, to turn from some wickedness, some sin in their lives and and begin anew, God, let this be their moment. Whatever it is that you're calling us to do, Lord, you make it happen. You make it happen. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.